Welcome back to the Been There, Read That podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Batty. As always, this podcast is brought to you by ChristianResearcher.com. It has been a few weeks since I recorded an episode, and there's several reasons for that. You would think that during a mandated quarantine shutdown, you would have tons of time on your hands, you would get lots of projects accomplished. Whenever I first found out that I was going to be quarantined for a while, I thought, ah, this would be my opportunity to finish my basement off. I've got my office has been in a wreck because I'm trying to sheetrock the ceiling and I've got flooring I need to put down. I thought, ah, oh, you know, quarantine, this will be great. I'll finally get my office put back together. Yeah, I haven't even touched it. Uh, things have been very crazy busy for me. Um, some in a good way. I'm not, not complaining about it. Better to be busy than to be twiddling your thumbs, getting in trouble, looking for things to do. But anyway, I thought I would talk about some of the reading projects and things I've been involved in during this quarantine. It's been pretty busy uh, with my st- Bible study groups. You know, we at church, we've only been having one service a week, and we've knocked off the Sunday evening and the midweek Wednesday night service, and so that's freed up some time. I've tried to fill those time spots with some uh, more Bible studies with brethren, both local and um, across the brotherhood. And so I I thought I'd talk about that some, but before I get started talking about what I've been involved in, I want to give a shout out to Jonathan Edwards with his Pure and Simple Bible Study. He's been doing, I believe it's five days a week, some live streamed Bible studies for people on Facebook, and I really appreciate all the tremendous work he's put into that project. And also, a shout-out to my brother, Aaron Batty. He runs 5MinuteBibleStudy.com. He's been putting out a lot of video content during this time, and I'm sure there's a number of other brethren who are used, taking advantage of this time and using it to produce really good material for people who are shut in right now. And I appreciate brethren trying to put study material out there in general, but especially during this time where you have people with extra time on their hands and trying to get them involved in good Bible study habits, taking advantage of the opportunity, using it in a positive light. So I really appreciate both both Jonathan Edwards and my brother Aaron for what they're doing in the work, and for all who are uh, sharing the gospel at this time. Uh, I know Brother Clint DeFrance, who was on the program about a month or so ago, he's been, he did a a live stream gospel meeting, and he's also been doing some work uh, encouraging people to study, and I really appreciate that as well. Okay, um, talking about projects that I've got into, when, whenever this quarantine first started, I thought, oh, you know what, this will be a good time. People will have some extra time on their hands. I'm going to have some extra time. And so I issued a challenge on Facebook. I was looking for 10 guys to join me in a reading challenge. And I called it the 100 Club. And we were going to read 100 pages a day for two weeks. So as soon as I got 10 guys on board, I think we actually start off with 11, about 
eight or nine of them made it all the way through. So I don't know what my math's not really good. It's 1,400 pages per guy over a two-week period. That's a lot of material that got covered. We weren't all reading the same thing. We just kind of read what we wanted to read on our own, and then we used the Goodreads app. If you're not familiar with the Goodreads app, you ought to download that. The Goodreads app is good because um, you can scan, I mean, you can find the book that you're reading, and then you can track your progress as you go through. You can set reading goals, and we used it and set up a reading group for the 11 guys that sign up for this reading challenge, and each day we would go on and we would post one or two things that we had learned from that day's reading material. Uh, some days guys would have longer posts, sometimes it was shorter posts, but every day each of the guys would get on and they would post about things that they learned, helped encourage one another, helped stay accountable and motivated as you went through it. I thought that was a really handy little app, and if, if you're not familiar with it, you ought to find it. Another feature about it that's nice is you can follow people. So you can you can see what books your friends are reading and track their progress and discover new titles along the way. So anyway, we started out, did this 100 club, 100 pages a day, 14 days. I thought, oh, this is going to be great. As soon as I issued that challenge, uh, my phone blew up. I started getting emails. A lot of brethren had questions about what we should do during this time. You had the government mandates that come out saying that, uh, churches aren't supposed to meet unless there's 10 people or less. A lot of chaos kind of broke loose. And so there were days where it was a major struggle getting my 100 pages read. And had I not issued the challenge, I would not have done it. Some days I'm, I'm getting my postings due and my reading done right at midnight. Very long days, but very rewarding. One thing that helped me do was clean up my reading list. I'm bad about picking up a book, reading a couple chapters, setting it down, and not getting back and finishing it. And some some books I don't mind that on. Some books I'm like, oh, you know, got basic the basic idea that they were putting out, and there's there's not a point in reading the whole book, or I've read enough of them to know I'm I'm not really enjoying this. I don't, I don't think this is going to be a very beneficial book. But there were several books that I wanted to get cleaned up, and it was very helpful to have the reading challenge. A couple of authors that I read that I really enjoyed, I'll just share with you briefly, David Jackman. So uh, I read, I've read, i read his book on expository preaching a few times, did a podcast episode on here about his book. But I read another book that he wrote. It's a commentary on the book of Joshua. It's part of the, the Preaching the Bible series put out by Crossway. It's more of a homiletic style commentary, which I'm not real crazy about. So there's there's basically two genres of commentaries. There's some that are geared for application and preaching, and then there's others that are just a discussion of what does the text mean. They're called critical commentaries. I prefer critical commentaries by and large. I don't read much of the homiletic preaching style commentary. But I, I thought I'd make an exception and read Jackman on Joshua because I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by Joshua in general. I'm going to be going through, through Joshua in the not-so-distant future in a reading group, and so I'm kind of looking for material in there. I thought, well, I really like Jackman on expository preaching, so I'll, I'll read his commentary on Joshua, and I'm glad I did. Uh, there were some strengths and weaknesses in it, but overall, I thought he did a really good job. It was enjoyable reading and has some really helpful insights along the way. Uh, I read Dennis E. Johnson's book, Journeys with Jesus, Every Path Leads in the Bible Leads to Christ, and I generally really like Dennis Johnson, but I did not like this book at all. I did not enjoy it. 
Um, I'm not sure that I read the last couple chapters. I, I think I read the whole book, but um, I kept thinking this is going to get better, and it didn't. Um, it had a lot of bones in it. It was heavily Calvinistic, and the good did not outweigh the bad. In fact, there was just very little good. I was very disappointed. This is a condensed version of a larger kind of biblical theology that he's done, and though his revelation commentary is enjoyable and insightful, some of his material in the book of Acts has been helpful, and like I said, in general, I enjoy him. I did not enjoy Journeys with Jesus. Uh, I read G.K. Bill's book, Redemptive Reversals. It's kind of a book dealing with the ironies of the Bible, both ironies in punishment and ironies in salvation. Um, just kind of to illustrate the ironies in punishment, whenever Israel rebels and they will not enter into the promised land to take possessions they've been commanded to by God, they say, oh, that we had died in the wilderness and oh, that we were back in Egypt. And so God basically says, all right, I'll let you die in the wilderness on the way back to Egypt. It's kind of ironic, the punishment fitting the crime. This is a little taste of what he's doing in there, both on a negative and a positive side. Pretty enjoyable read. I gave it four out of five stars and gave a full book review of it. So if you want to check out that review, it's on the Goodreads app. Um, I've been reading The Gospel of Mark by William Lane. That's part of the New International Commentary on the New Testament series. I've got a little sidetrack from it, but I'm about three-fourths of the way through, and I've just really enjoyed him. Um, I haven't ever read a full commentary on the Gospel of Mark before all the way through, and I decided that's going to be one of my goals to accomplish this year. I decided to read William Lane because I've read his commentary on Hebrews and found it very helpful, and he's well-recognized and respected in the Gospel of of Mark. And I'll have to say that I have not been disappointed at all. Uh, This is, I believe, a must-read for people. I think there's a commentary that you need to have in your library, and probably at some point I need to do just a special episode on William Lane's commentary on Mark. Um, I've read also The Way of Righteousness in the Muck of Life, which is a short book by Del Ralph Davis on Psalms 1 through 12. Uh, He's put out several little books that each contain about 12 to 15 psalms, and he's slowly working through the book of psalms. In general, every once in a while, a new volume will come out. If you don't know Del Ralph Davis in the Old Testament, you need to. I'm not real crazy about his commentary on Daniel, but in the Focus on the Bible commentary series, he did Joshua through Kings, I believe. So you got like six volumes there. And he is such an enjoyable writer. You learn things from him. He's easy to read. He is like the the reformed version of James E. Smith. Like Everybody knows I'm a huge James E. Smith fan. I feel like every time I pick him up and read him, I learn something from him. And he's just an enjoyable writer. That's how Del Ralph Davis is. He's very enjoyable. He's very polished. And he's in, in this book, The Way of Righteousness in the Muck of Life, he's kind of introducing the book of Psalms, and he's doing... Uh, kind of more of a preaching style through each psalm and does an excellent job of demonstrating how to preach the first 12 psalms. Um, In one of my reading groups, we finished up uh, Gordon J. Wenham's commentary on Numbers. That's part of the Tyndale Old Testament commentary series, which I, by and large, I really enjoyed that volume. Um, I haven't done just a ton of studying in the book of Numbers in the past, and I found it to be a moderate-level overview and introduction to the book, some really helpful, insightful points. Um, 
I'm glad we read through that. There's been some books in the past, as I've been reading through the Pentateuch, that I was like, eh. Like, for instance, we read the book of Exodus uh, by Alec Motcher, and there were some decent parts in it, but overall I was disappointed in. I'd say the good outweighed the bad in Gordon Wyndham's commentary. One book I finished, I kind of started a while back and decided I was going to get after and finish, was How to Preach and Teach the Old Testament for All It's Worth by Christopher J.H. Wright. Fantastic book. I think this is a must-read. He's got a couple bones. You can read, um, I'm going to put up a review of it on Goodreads and written form if you want to go and find it sometime. Uh, All in all, he avoided a lot of Christocentric problems that people have in preaching out of the Old Testament. He did a good framework of teaching the Old Testament and providing tools and insights for how to teach it. The last three chapters dealt with wisdom literature, how to preach those, and I would say that that alone was worth the price of the book. I thought it was absolutely fantastic material there. Really glad that got to go through his material. I've read some of his stuff in the in the past that's been helpful, and some that's not, not overly helpful, but all in all, pretty good. I, in one of my reading groups, we finished William Paley's book, Evidences of Christianity. Now, Paley wrote this back in the 1700s, so it has that archaic English flow to it that's got the old language. It's it's not the the English that I'm super comfortable reading or enjoy. It, it wasn't near as bad as, as reading St. Alexander Campbell. This is considered a really strong work, and it is. And it's a historical defense of Christianity. It's dealing with skeptics of his day, and it's amazing how many of the arguments are still sticking around. He deals a lot with extra-biblical proofs of the Bible. He deals generally with canonicity, does a really good job with that. Um, He deals with historical factors within the Gospels. It's very much kin to Nathaniel Lardner's discussion of uh, the intertextuality of the New Testament and the evidence of the New Testament Christianity. I'm glad that I read it. I'm also glad that I read it in a group because if I'd sat down on my own, I probably would not have made it all the way through just because of the style issue. But having a group of guys around me to motivate me was very helpful. And I am glad that I finally got that knocked off as a book that was recommended by J.W. McGarvey a long time ago and also by Wayne Jackson in more recent days. And it is a good discussion. Um of the evidences of Christianity from a historical standpoint. Those are some of the things that, some of the books I got read during that 100 Club challenge. Um, One of the special studies that I did during this time is kind of a different project that I took on. I I invited several young guys from all over the country. We had a larger than normal group. I think maybe did two reading groups along these lines. And we went through David Jackman's book on why expository preaching took three weeks to do that. And I'm really glad that we did that. I, you know, Obviously, I've done a podcast episode on his book, so I'm not going to rehash the whole thing. But it gave a good setting and environment to be able to discuss that material, to discuss teaching concepts in general, and using it, Jackman's book as kind of a springboard to do some, some advocacy some advertising for expository preaching, talk about the pros and the cons, the pitfalls, challenges. Really enjoyable study. I appreciate all the young guys who joined in to do that with me. In another group, 
a book. I decided to read a book called Reading Moses, Seeing Jesus. It's been a couple years since I read this, so it's kind of fresh again. There's there's parts that I definitely remember and have had an impact on me. And there's parts of it that I'd forgotten about, or I'd at least forgotten how good it was. I I randomly bought this book on Amazon because it's dealing with the New Testament use of the Old Testament, how to see Christ in the Old Testament, which is something I'm always interested in and constantly reading on. Didn't know anything about this guy. So Seth Postel, who is the, one of the authors, the main author, is a Messianic Jew. He lives in Israel, and he is writing for the benefit of trying to convert Jews to Christ. So it's kind of a unique insight. But he does a super job handling the Pentateuch, uh, painting the big picture view of the Pentateuch, uh, showing some of the structural markers within it, showing the importance of poems within the book. There, there's so many fascinating aspects. I probably need to do a podcast episode on this book as well because it's just such a good, good book. Um, I've read it, I think this is my fourth read now, which again, when I read a book multiple times, I feel like that's that speaks quite a bit because I don't do that super often. But I, I've loved this book. This probably, this got to be in my top 10 all-time books to read. Um, I'm currently reading a, a large biblical theology by James Hamilton with a group of guys. Kind of an advanced read. It's called God's Glory and Salvation Through Judgment. Um, I've really enjoyed it so far. He's had a couple of hang-ups. He believes in, uh, he doesn't believe really in free will like we do at all. Um, so he makes a traditional Calvinist argument about Pharaoh. So you have to look out for that. He he has a different view of the Holy Spirit. Um, he talks. He makes a common Calvinist argument out of Jeremiah thirty one about the circumcision of heart that's coming in the New Testament day. So he would argue that the remnant in the Old Testament had been uh, re- reborn, rejuvenated, if you will, but they did not have the indwelling Spirit like he argues Christians do today. And so there's some problematic Calvinistic art positions that flow out of that. Having said that, I think it's been a really good, enjoyable read so far. He does a good job talking about the temple theme beginning in Genesis and going throughout the Pentateuch. We've read through the Pentateuch so far. Um, one of his the unique aspects of this book, he's arguing that the central theme that ties everything in the Bible together is the concept of God's glory in salvation through judgment. And though I I don't buy into his concept that this is the central theme, I do think it is an important theme. I think as you read through it, he makes a good case that this is an important theme. I just don't buy that you can simplify the Bible down to one sentence as the basis for everything. I think it's too complex. It's, It's like looking at a diamond. It's a brilliantly fascinating, valuable jewel that is multifaceted and just you can't make a single cut and make it one dimensional. So that's that basic premise of the book is flawed, but he is doing a good job of of laying a framework through which to read and remember and understand the Bible as a whole. I'm sure there's going to be other bones along the way. I don't know what my final assessment is. Pretty large books about it's over 500 pages, so we're going to be in it for a while. But so far, I've been enjoying that. I'm thankful for the guys that are sticking with me through that. That gives you kind of a little bit of background on my reading. 
If there's some of these books that you're interested more in, you might shoot me a message at christianresearcher at gmail.com and we can maybe do a particular book review on one or book focus, if you will. Um, hopefully in the near future, we're going to get back to doing a couple more interviews. Brother Nate Bibbins has agreed at some point to come on and do an interview. I need to set up some time to get that done, but I appreciate, appreciate him being willing to do that and looking forward to providing that content for you. Uh, I'm going to leave you with a little bit of a cliffhanger here. I invite you to tune back in next week as I'm hopefully going to have a special announcement that will be breaking on this podcast. And I won't tell you anything more than that, but there's something special that I've been working on during this quarantine time that I want to share with folks. And so tune back in next week and we'll reveal that. Hope you're having a great week. Hope the quarantine hasn't been too unbearable. Hope you've been productive with the time. I pray that God will bless the brotherhood at this time as there's a lot of difficulties, difficult decisions that have had to be made. And I pray that we would have mercy and patience with one another. Have a great week. The Lord will, and we'll catch you next week. God bless. The praise is yours alone, you're worthy, worthy of all. Our God is ever almighty, he's ever almighty to save. Our God is ever almighty, he's ever almighty ever almighty